audio message from his hospital bed. On the morning of uh, October 24th, I was sitting with my children in the uh, living room of the house of my family. It's a house of three floors. There were about 40 members in the house at that moment. Suddenly I became unconscious. Maybe after a few uh, minutes, I uh, wake up again. I saw dust and rubble surrounding me everywhere. I knew at that moment that uh, the house where I was with my children was bombing. My uh, hearing at that time uh, was gone. I didn't uh, hear anything, but I looked around me. I looked around me, I saw my uh, two children, Hamoud and uh, Batul, screaming and uh, sticking uh, to me and pointing to uh, my other child, my oldest child, Abud, uh, their uh, brother. And uh, they, they are shouting, Abud was relying on the floor. Uh, the people came and uh, took us uh, from the rubble. And we went to the hospital by ambulance. I knew that uh, my uh, four four ladies at that uh, place, my uh, two aunts and my uh, father's wife and uh, my cousin were killed at the same time, at the first uh, time of the bombing. My child Abud uh, and my niece Jude, she's uh, about 10 years old also. Uh, they were in uh, uh, critical condition. A day after uh, they were killed. The uh, majority of the family, the most of them were injured. This is what happened, what happened with me. And uh, this is an example of the daily Israeli bombing uh, against Gaza. Israel is claiming and is saying that it's a war against Hamas. But where is Hamas? Take my house as example. Four uh, women and two children were killed in this Israeli strike. And this is what's happening every day. Thousands, the vast majority of the victims of this Israeli war until now are uh, innocent women and men and children, complete families. Israel is targeting the families. Israel declared it clearly that its problem is with the, with the Palestinians themselves, not with a faction or with a group. The Israeli problem is the Palestinian existence itself. So it's not by mistake. Israel didn't uh, bombard my uh, house, didn't kill my child by mistake. It's the Israeli strategy. You're listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM and streaming online at kboo.fm.
Good morning. You are listening to More Talk Radio on your community radio station, KBOO-FM, 90.7 in Portland, 91.9 in Hood River, 104.3 in Corvallis, and via the World Wide Web, it is KBOO.FM. This is Monday, the the 5th of, of November, 2023, and let me begin by first apologizing for the technical difficulties we've had with um, our program before Democracy Now. Um, we, you know, it's Monday morning and things are really challenging. So um, we apologize for the technical difficulties and remind you that Democracy Now! will return to be broadcast in its entirety um, on at 4 p.m. So um, stay tuned and you can hear Democracy Now! at 4 p.m. In the meantime, you are listening to More Talk Radio. Again, I mentioned today is the 5th of November. I am Cecil Prescott. And joining me, and actually in the studio, can you believe it, from, you know, where wherever you were, you're here now. And ah, it's great to see you, Celeste. Hey, it's great to be seen. How about that? And, um, yes, we will be broadcasting Democracy Now! in, in its entirety. Um, some solemn information, though. I mean, solemn news. And, and it's kind of hard to follow something like that. Um, but uh, I'm hoping that some of what I picked up from the the conference that I attended um, in, in Berlin will will help us figure out how to address bridges and, and barriers to to establishing some measure of peace. Though, you know, when I was listening to the protesters uh, admonishing and actually just plain old-fashioned castigating Biden, I was thinking to myself, yeah, you may not vote for him, but do you understand what you're saying by default? Well, because because that other person, Rump, is leading and opposed. Yeah, that is is challenging because, you know, in spite and I saw something in the New York Times today talking about. Uh, Mr. Biden and how, you know, he's losing support among young people and people of color. And there is there is not much of a margin. And as we saw, uh, Mr. Trump is leading Mr. Biden in some of those battleground um, states. Now, you know, so an indictment evidently doesn't impact the support for Mr. Trump. However, there was speculation that a conviction might. <laughs> Mike, I don't think we should assume anything. No, never, never assume. But I, I can just imagine him in, you know, the orange jumpsuit, serving as president from behind a prison somewhere. Is that is that how it works? Since if he's no. convicted, only mafia dons serve from prison. Oh, well, he's a wannabe. <laughs> well, he, yeah, he does call himself the Donald. Okay. You know what can I say? You know, but I, I, I really want to, um, I really want to encourage people to think about ways that we can talk to each other to to offset what looks like a a, a truly a devil's choice. You know, um, if by default and because he has yet to be convicted, 
Trump remains on the ballot and eligible as a candidate. We're in trouble as a nation, and it won't matter how people feel about Biden. And I'm not saying throw your um, your moral outrage out the window. I'm not saying that at all. But this is when we start having some of those really hard choices that are part of adulting, you know. And I'm not saying hold your nose and swallow lesser evil, any of those things. It, this this calls from serious for some serious nuance. I'm the, I don't necessarily have the answers. I just have a tool or two to help me sift out. You know, and and what I'm, I guess, saying is, you know, we need to figure out how do we use what tools we have? How do we exchange them to come up with some alternatives? That's that certainly is a challenge. And and as we're speaking right now at at this point, Mr. Trump is is testifying in one of his, I don't know how many trials, what, five or six? I uh, stopped counting. I'm not going to even well, lie. Well, he, he's testifying at this this moment at, in one of those trials in, in, the, in New York, I believe. Uh-huh. So, uh. so um, interestingly enough, before we heard the news we heard today on Democracy Now!, uh, I had suggested that we have... Um, a topic that I had pulled out of the paper, oh, about a month or so ago. And although it's very specific in its in its approach, uh, I think we can broaden its scope. And basically, it was uh, an article of th- this woman. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. A white woman had said, hey, you know, when we have really racist and bigoted uh, and closed-minded family members, uh, we are not allowed to close them off and kick them out of the family and shut them out because if we do, then whose problem do they become? You know, because they are our family, we are we are morally obligated to work with them and and do whatever needs to be done to bring them around to some measure of enlightenment. Uh, and and for those of you who um, maybe went into shock when I said that and thought about all of the horrible holiday dinners you've had with transient, you know, relatives who are in a ditch about something, you know, mm-hmm. specifically race, you you're probably thinking, oh no, uh uh-uh, uh, no, not me. Um, um, but I want to broaden it because we're hearing we're hearing conversations now that are extremely polarizing, and I think it's really important to to recognize that maybe this is one of the reasons we have family because we have those kind of connections, which um, they they allow some measure of entree to a person and i, I and look i i i'm not i am not being naive here you know i have a family member um i'll just share briefly uh who was in some state i don't know what state i'm not going to guess but basically pulled a gun on me and, and stuck a nine millimeter Glock in my tummy and said, you know, I'll kill you right now. And now I'm thinking, what do you say to that? You know, when you're feeling that imprint 
of of, of a weapon of death. You know, that's all a gun is, is a weapon of death. It's not a hammer, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and what do you say? And, you know, his mother and, and other folks that were there were, like, horrified and screaming. And I remember looking him in the eye and just saying, hey, is, is, is this it? You know, I loved you. I changed your diapers. I made sure you were okay. I'm one of the reasons why you're standing up here right now assaulting me. Is this it? Now, I'm not saying that was the perfect thing to do, but, I mean, I am telling the story. But that's that's to say I'm not naive at, to the extremes that disagreements with family members can go. But when we're hearing this type of polarization that we have on the news right now, um, that serves as like an an analog for how far we might have to step to build bridges so that we don't have those falling apart. And, and, and again, I'm not going to say I have all the answers, but you know, um, let me jump here really quick. Um, I uh, went to a conference in Berlin that was held by the Othering and Belonging Institute, which is located in Berkeley. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, I got invited by a friend and, and, and colleague. Um, and uh, so I attended, and I have said many times on on KBU, I lament the fact that the progressive side of the political spectrum does not do enough strategic planning, does not have enough think tanks uh, where they teach people how to offset, how to um, offset uh, ultra-conservative and very harmful uh, movements, policies, uh, uh, areas of thought, et cetera, et cetera. And we need to spend more time doing that. Well, this was one of those. And there were uh, several speakers who came and talked about uh, the work that they do um, to help build bridges, build community to offset racism and, um, you know, all of the other isms that we have in, in this world. And uh, when all of the speakers were done, we had breakout uh, sessions. Oh, we don't have internet, do we? Oh. Oh gee, no, <laughs> so we're we're flying blind here. I don't have my article to read from. So you were going to say? Oh, I was going to say this. I don't know if we can do this over the. There is a way you can get on the internet. Look, and yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I my my phone is just it's not picking it up, and so that's why I went to the computer. Right. Oh uh, well. Well, this is going to be interesting. I'm going to have to. Uh, you're going to have to um, bear with me because I won't have the ex- exact messages or exact verbiage uh, to to help um, uh, flesh out our points. Okay, because okay. we don't. We don't have the internet right now, but but we do, we do. Oh, okay. Well, but but it's it's not the normal. Oh, it's not the normal route. The route. So just look at your computer and and see where you can connect. There's a certain, well, 
Mm. Well, you know, I'm doing all kinds of tools and doing I'm I'm doing my phone too, and and it's saying no, I can't even use data right now. And so, like, you know, what are we walking to a dead zone? Okay, well, let, let's get back. So anyway, the um, Othering and Belonging Institute is what you want to look up. Okay. okay. The um, the head of the organization, uh, if I can remember his name correctly, is John Campbell. Um, and the tools that we picked up, um, I think, are really helpful. And one of the workshops that I attended to was, you know, barriers uh, to bridging, you know, gaps. Mm-hmm. And they identified that, you know, whenever you're having an engagement with people, um uh you can um there's two there's two dynamics you're either bridging the gap or there's a barrier to you bridging the gap okay, okay. and so we looked at some of the things that caused barriers that that made it difficult for us to to connect with each other and um um i wanted to talk with those with respect to that article that spoke to how family members who are racist, et cetera, are our problems, you know. And while the woman who spoke spoke out of not just it being a familiar issue, but, you know, the fact that she was white and was dealing with white American culture, uh, I think we should broaden it as we're kind of sharing that conversation and sharing the, the, the development of techniques and tools to kind of bridge that gap. And so with that, uh, I'm, I'm trying this othering <laughs> means of getting on the air, getting on the net so I can share this information. Mm-hmm. But we do have um, an intrepid soul who, uh, who, who's got to us before we really fleshed out everything. But I'm curious to hear what, uh, oh, okay. Well, good morning, Santiago. Oh, good morning. I wasn't expecting to be on right away. I figured y'all were going to talk a little bit more. Well, I'm I'm trying to wrangle this beast of of the internet so that I can get up my info, <laughs> and so you know, I, yeah. you're here, you're up. <laughs> All right, All right. fair enough. Um, you know, I the conversations that I've had with people when it comes to this uh, to this occupation of Palestine. You know, I think the one thing that I always the one thing that I hear from a lot of you know, pro-Israel people, is it's like, well, you know, Palestine is only 85,000 miles, and Muslims have 49 countries, and Christians have, Christians have 21, and why does it even matter? You know, don't we deserve something? And, you know, and my thing is, is it's like, I, I am not pro-violence, but if, if, if you've got your boot on my neck, and I have tried every single peaceable means to remove that without doing damage, and you still won't move it, then the only other option to preserve my life is to draw blood. And I just, and it's like, and you know, and they, they think that it's what happened on the 7th of October was so barbaric, and it was, don't get me wrong, but when you look at how many people in Palestine have been killed over 75 years, you just there's no comparison. I mean, it it, it doesn't. It's, it's a drop in the bucket. I'm not saying that their lives were that the Israeli people's lives are insignificant, but at the same time, 
you're, you, people don't understand power. You know, the Israelis are the colonizers, and the Palestinians are the colonized. And they'll try to be like, and I'll tell them, well, you know, I'll tell them about the experiences of what happened to Chicanos in the Southwest when America decided to drop its borders on us. And they're like, well, that's different. I'm like, how? You know? And, and it's like they don't want to hear that they're wrong. And it's like, and I get that because, you know, Jews are a historically oppressed people. It goes back, it goes back thousands of years. Christians and Muslims, mostly Christians, have been pretty, they've been pretty violent, violent towards the Jewish people. But that doesn't give them the right to, to, to do that to another people. And you don't find liberation in the subjugation or the extermination or of another. There's, you don't find it there, but they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear that. They want to. They want to have this this Marvel comic view of the world. You know, they don't want to understand that Netanyahu expressed in 2006 that you know that if they really wanted to see the if they really wanted to see the you know bring about the the full realization of the Israeli state that they would have to support Hamas in lieu of, like, you know, knocking out any sort of leftist socialist, leftist socialist communist organizing, because it's easier to fight a, a deranged fundament, fundamental menace than it is to fight people who are arguing along the lines of, demo, of true democracy and true community. So, you know so Santiago, let me, let me ask you, as, as you're sharing this information, a, a couple of points you made, and I want you to, um, to elaborate. Um, you, you mentioned in, in terms of, of, of colonizer, and you mentioned um, European colonizer and, and, and its impact upon, you, uh, upon your people. Um, so hold on to that. Um, okay. And you also mentioned in terms of, of the, the, the histories of various people. You mentioned in passing... Um, the, the history of 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 how um, uh, how Western powers, Christians in particular, um, for for centuries, had had pogroms and leading up to the Holocaust. So just hold on, hold on to that in terms of okay. of, of trauma. How do you getting back to what uh, Celeste was mentioning? beginning um when you have these these historical real facts of people how do how is it possible to have meaningful conversation with people with nuance be able to recognize their own trauma how they are, have been impacted and how that how do we how do we move forward so we certainly aren't playing you know oppression olympics or anything like that but I think we need to recognize the reality of of how we all have been victims, of, um, and and how do we move forward without becoming the victimizers again? Well, I mean that. I mean, some people. I mean, you just you have to. I mean, I would say that you should be willing to share your truth in the most compassionate way possible with the complete understanding that you may be violently rejected, whether that's with a physical or a verbal violence, 
Because at this point, you're talking about you. some people in this day and age, I mean, and, and not just this one, I mean, lots of others, but you just have to understand that this is a, that people in this state, they're, it's, it's all emotional. Propaganda, propaganda, at least in the Western sense, is all emotional. When they, they don't, they've never had, America has never had a justification for the expulsion of the Chinese. They've never had a justification for the expulsion of the Japanese or Chicanos or Mexicanos or mm -hmm. black folks. Right. But what they do have is a feeling about those people that has nothing to do with reality. Well, so ooh, that's okay. That's a good point. And, and maybe Celeste, you wanted to say something about this, but in terms of what you just said, Santiago, in terms of it's not logical, it's emotional, it's a feeling. How do we yes. how do we recognize that and what do we do um, I don't know what's well, the right word to get beyond, Celeste? Well, that, that's the thing that I was going to say is that um, one of the one of the barriers that we, we have to deal with is bonding which is kind of um inwardly facing connection with only those that are already like ourselves and not being willing to, as an adult with um, the ability to have a deeper understanding, turn our vulnerable sides uh, to a person and, and start finding connections with the other person. Now, if if you're talking about how people who have been hurt become um, injurers themselves, then one of the points that we have in common as a grief people is that we have we have both hurt somebody, maybe each other, mm -hmm. and, and and so rather than sit there and compare our wounds, there's a point at which we say, okay, are you hurting? Because I'm hurting. Okay, what can we do? I mean, um, it's it, this is extreme reduction, but it's been used many times on TV or in the movies. It's like, okay, on the count of three, we both put our weapons down, you know. And it is extreme reduction, you know, because there's a lot to get to that point. But that's an illustration of what that point looks like. And then at that moment, we say, okay, uh, we see the effect. We see the cost that damaging each other is doing. And we, as in our adult minds, you know, and maybe that's also presuming a lot, you know, we realize that this is a no-win scenario. And, you know, that's when we talk and say, okay, uh, we need to we need to cease this pain. We need to cease fire. We need to stop hurting each other. And it's a very very elementary step. And again, like I said, for especially somebody just joining, it is reductionist. I know. But my point being, that's one of the things we have to look at. What are the barriers to us being able to build a bridge? You know, another yeah. thing is is maximalization. Okay, what does maximal maximalism look like? And and that's the that's refusing to work with somebody 
who does not immediately appear to have, you know, similar goals or, 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 or similar views. And those are two things that right now I see happening in our group. We are posing absolute extreme uh, solutions rather than looking at steps to get us to someplace. People, human beings are incredibly, insanely stubborn. You know, we're even stubborn against well, our own self, self-interest. Yeah, well, I mean, I think when you think, I think when you really get down to it, we have to recognize that politics, unlike we are taught in the West, are not a zero-sum game. For, for instance, um, for instance, uh, Vietnam entered into a joint, into a joint, they have a special name for it, but it, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of the highest levels of joint cooperation that you can have with Vietnam in terms of global trade. And people will say, well, you know, we, the, uh, the people on the right will say, oh, look, Vietnam gave up on communism, so communism sucks. Ha, ha, ha. America good, right? But then on the left, people say, well, how could you, how could you ever think to work with the people who, who basically, like, you know, tried to genocide you to say, you know, and there's a lot of... Well, and I'm going to tell you why. Said. Because, well, okay, for, for, for well, one no, thing... No, I was going to... Okay, this okay. is why you. Well, we don't have all day, and <laughs> we got another caller. No, okay, so here's the reason why you have to. First, you know, one of the problems with maxima, maximalism is that you see anything less than the idea or as betrayal. You know, and we can't do that. And we have to. We have to at some point assume that we are going to have that trust valued. Uh, at least for a moment, we have to do that. If, you know, if all we do is say, see the bad in it, we'll never get any peace. And the reason why well, we have to work with the people who might be those who wish genocide on us is because uh, if we don't do anything, it's probably mutually assured genocide. Well, and and dying with the most toys, off. we're still dead. Huh? Well, absolutely. And what I was going to say at the end of that is that Vietnam has basically expressed that politics is not a zero-sum game, and we've lost enough people defending our, defending our country, and we just want to see peace. And I, would, and I would say that, you know, when I tell people that it's like, you know, the, the Muslims and Jews are both Semitic people. So if you can't claim anti-Semitism while you're, killing, while you're killing Muslims in another country, and it's like you just... You have to, people just have to recognize that this doesn't have to be a zero-sum game, that it's the West telling people, people who have financial fiduciary interest in seeing the people of Palestine okay, okay. blown away. And, and with that, well, who- okay, Sandego, thank you so much, because you got your idea out. We got another caller here. Thank you so much okay. for bringing that up, though, you know, and helping us to see that this is not going to be, you know, a proverbial cakewalk. It's going to be a difficult work to get to peace. But thank you for your call and your points. You are listening to your Community Connection, KBOO Portland, 90.7 here in the city, 91.9 if you are in the Columbia River Gorge, uh, Hood River, Oregon, White Salmon, Washington, and Philomath, Oregon, and in the Willamette River Valley, it's uh, 104.3 and KBOO.FM everywhere. Uh, Let's go to Robbie. Thank you for your patience. Good morning. 
Oh, good morning. No, thank you for this conversation. Honestly, there's nothing more I look forward to than hearing, hearing what we're going to be talking about. You know, it's, it's awesome. I, uh, I, I think the, uh, just some points I kind of wanted to bring up with what I see, you know, trying to, um, uh, you know, one thing that I see is a class war going on. I see it happening, you know, um, and I think what I wanted to, uh, try to, there's a lot of stuff that just got brought up and I was really, you know, it started with, with what you were the topic that we were going to, that you had presented, but you know, with everything that was gotten brought up, I just had to share that there's this, um, I don't know how to put it, but there's this term MAGA communist and it's basically the make America great again folks. But then what, what they've done, what people are doing is, you know, in chats online or, you know, sharing videos with one another is they're trying to get the people that are the, you know, would vote for Donald Trump and all those people that are affected by this class war, showing them the lens of that, and showing, you know, and trying to connect with people on that basis and seeing where you can have similarities mm-hmm. and you can be trying to do something different, um, you know, electoral, uh, electorally, which I think, you know, honestly connects back to this, this point where, uh, you know, we're, we're voting for either Biden or Trump, as many people on KBU kind of express it. There's only two options. And what I see is that's the, the trap. Um, you know, Donald Trump was a Democrat until 2010. He was, you know, for universal health care, pro-abortion. He endorsed Hillary Clinton to run for 2016. In the year 2012, there's this crazy video of him, you know, like basically endorsing her. And it's like what I see is a class war. And so when I see this cannon fodder between the left and the right, all I see is distraction. I see politics dividing the people. Now we can't even share, you know, stuff. And so my goal is that always trying to connect with the other people, connect with people. That, so so um, let me let me let me ask you, what kind of tools do you use? Because that was kind of the the point of this conversation is uh, for me to share some of the things that I, I, I learned. Uh, but I'd like to hear what kind of tools you, you use when you're trying to bridge these gaps. The, the biggest thing that people can do is learn how they can better communicate. If, if communicating is listening more to somebody, you know, that, that in itself can really, you know, carry it, you know, that, that will go a long way when somebody feels like you're, you're being, you're being listened to. And so a lot of times there's, you know, the holdups with like, oh, well, you know, like, uh, I don't need to get into the examples, but I'm, you, I'll, I'll try to make it quick. But the, the, the tool is to better put yourself in a position of them and, and try to agree with. The, I think the, the tool, the, the name is called Yes And. So like what you're doing in the conversation is you're, you're now adding to the conversation and you're like, you know, somebody's complaining about, I don't know, the poor people or, you know, whatever you'll hear them complaining about. And you can be like, well, yeah, and, you know, why is it getting worse? You know, and then they're like, well, everything's getting more, mo- <laughs> everything's getting more expensive. And then you can connect um, in a way and you can, you know, basically drop you know, your ideologies, your perspectives into people. And, and it's from a lens where they can see it. And that is where you make the, 
the the connection with other people and and you know honestly uh with, with you were you're bringing up you know uh, a lot of young people losing uh faith in joe biden or whatever it was earlier <laughs> it's like i don't see how people think joe biden is better than donald trump in fact i think we're closer to world war three i think that uh you know the economy is much worse than whether or not that was donald trump or joe biden um, I don't think there's a difference. This is in no way saying I'm voting for Joe Biden or Donald Trump or either of them. Um, I'm going to be doing something, either a protest vote, basically, is what all I can do as far as trying to use the system to change the system. Mm-hmm. So until we get an actual viable option, Joe Biden has brought us on the brink of World War III. He's hitting the gap. Uh, and for some reason, people are like, well, you have to vote for him because what's the other option? And it's just like, well, wait a minute. Didn't we lose, uh, you know, a, a Rover's way? Didn't that get over? Like, are we, what, what have the Democrats actually done? They're the same capitalist party. The thing is, is they're just tricking everybody into voting them and thinking they're doing something about it. But, you know, that's a lens that I connect with people on. Maybe not everybody agrees with that. Maybe people are going to sit okay, here and okay. argue with a person who's saying that Joe Biden is better than Donald Trump. And I think okay. that, that's silly. But, Go ahead, you know. Cecil. So, so I think one thing that I'm taking from our conversation this morning something we can take and put in our toolbox so i appreciate it so much thank you so much for sharing and we'll go to our next caller good morning mark good morning celeste and cecil um i'd be very interested in in knowing uh, about your experience in berlin as a as a freelance translator i know that germany is suffering uh, economically um in an almost unprecedented way because energy costs are maybe uh, six or ten times greater than they were uh, before the Nord Stream pipeline was destroyed. Uh, I also want to mention and emphasize that hundreds of thousands of people uh, demonstrated on, on Saturday for the Palestinians in D.C., in Turkey, in Indonesia, in France, and and I think in Germany. Uh, I wonder how many uh, people in the United States know about these mass demonstrations. We we are we because of our wealth, we live in a very insular, manipulated uh, country where news is filtered and. And business-friendly news is uh, promoted. We we don't even hear a word about Canada um, when Canada is our friend and our our teacher. Well, our it depends pro- on what what sources we use. I mean, apparently you've heard something. So yes. you know, um, yeah. there are there are media's that are covering this. We just have to get out of our bubbles. You I know. Think- but I think Germany uh, became a, a rather closed uh, party state after the corona pandemic. The basic law is uh, is not uh, recognized. And um, okay, you so you kind of lost me there. Uh, well, well, Germany uh, is is supported by a basic law that uh, supposedly 
defends the dignity of every individual and uh, proscribes uh, the state from from being bestial, from being anti-democratic. Uh, uh, that's just uh, that's our. Oh. It's, it's it's similar to our constitution. We also have have drifted uh, away from democracy because uh, we. Okay, that you you, you we kind of drifted away from the topic here right uh, now, and so you got me floundering in your waters. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I just wish that I. We could learn more for about your experience. Well, I, and what I, I will say this: um, um, I where in the room I'm in, I can't connect to the internet, but this is the institute. Um, it's called the Othering and Belonging Institute. It's out of UC Berkeley. You will have to uh, establish an account, but the uh, information is free. There is no charge. And you go to the Berlin 2023 conference, and um, and that's that will give you a lot of information about this organization. And I'm going, to, I'm working to get um, some measure of coverage on KBU, whether it be a guest from the institution, or um, get us permission to broadcast uh, one or two. Of the excuse me, the sessions that were um, recorded that that took place um, at um, at the conference. So oh, I'm working great. to get that information. But what we're looking at at the Othering and Belonging Institute are, are we're looking at tools to help us understand how not only people but structures have power that separates people. And we're looking at how do we how do we come together? And for example, sometimes people talk in terms of inclusion. Um, when when we look at trying to make sure that we don't leave people out and we're not we're we're not losing part of the great energy that comes from um, um, a, a diverse society. Uh, but sometimes we don't recognize that when we say including, we're inviting somebody into a system that's already established, has its own rules, and may not be built to accommodate that person fully. And so we're looking at belonging as, as, um, as the dynamic instead of uh, including because belonging means you have full citizenship, so to speak, you know, within whatever that institution, that group is. And yeah. you're, you're able to, to contribute out of the wholeness of who you are instead of being included in some of your parts are tolerated and some of them are not. So um, do check that out. And again, it's the Othering and Belonging Institute out of UC Berkeley. Thanks so much. Yes. Thanks so much. I definitely will. I, okay. I wish, I wish we had a Marshall Plan for journalism. Well, well, look, you know, we've had that conversation, and that's way off topic right now. Okay. But I, I do thank you, though, Mark, for calling. And that um, the website for that othering and belonging is belonging.berkeley.edu. Thank you, Cecil. I, I'm I'm blind in here. <laughs> yeah, but um, so you know, one of the things that's really key to um, understanding how 
how we're in the place we're at. Um, and, you know, and, and this kind of builds on some of the shows we have. And I realize we're, we get, we're getting a little drifted off topic, but there's a lot of anxiety that's going on um, in our minds, in our communities, over this major conflict going on in the Middle East. And one of the key statements that came out of the conference was recognizing how rapid change produces collective anxiety so it's hard for me to like put us too much of a stopper on people expressing this you know anxiety over the air uh because it, you know they're representative of all of us yeah you know it, it may not be specifically on point but it's is representative and so there's a part of me to saying okay well even though it's not the points i wanted to make today i'm going to listen at least for a little bit because it's representative of how everybody's feeling you you mentioned um referenced um what's happening in Israel and Gaza right now mm -hmm. i'm wondering um since you were in in europe um you know, there's a war going on in Europe right now um, that um, up until a month ago um, was a focus of world's attention. How did that conflict in Europe, um, was it re referenced? Was it referred to? How was it addressed since you were right there? In well, that's a good point. Um, uh and 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 I, I I'll be honest. It's not. It wasn't that we ignored what was happening in the Ukraine, but I think it was more that we tried to focus on transference of knowledge of these particular tools that can have application there. You know, uh, at the time there was well, a lot of things were colored by the fact that. The the conflict in um, in Gaza and Israel just totally popped up like it did uh, before the conference happened, mm -hmm. but after it had been planned. Mm -hmm. So there was a certain disruption in a sense of how to stay on track for what we wanted to talk about, what the, what the planners wanted to talk about. Now, to that end, we ended up having um, some guests from uh, Palestine and, and from, um, uh, we did have one person who I believe, if I recall correctly, was a Palestinian Jew with German citizenship. Okay. And what we talked about more so than what was going on with Ukraine was the fact that um, this was a pressing issue that was a prime example of othering and belonging. And then Germany's unique relationship to Israel. And the fact that there is a lot of guilt politically coming out of Germany for their role in um, the the Israeli the, the Holocaust right. you know uh, has resulted in a very strict rule which prohibits any kind of critical uh, statements any any protesting any criticism of Israel it's almost like a what do you call it uh, reactionary 
Okay, extreme reactionary. There is no conversation. And so it almost put a damper on being able to have the nuanced conversation that demonstrated the efficacy of the tools we were learning, you know, because um, there there was this perception of um, Israel's going to, we, we can't say anything, They we have to support them no matter what. And 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 I understand that, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm just I'm just struck by the fact that there is a war literally on the borders of Germany that is going that is impacting yes. all the countries of Europe, which is for the first time since that war mm-hmm. there is war in Central Europe, right? And that that's well, that would be like being upset because we planned a picnic and we did have a contingency of having it under this tree and it's raining and we're mad because we're not dealing with it's like, yes, there is that war. But can we also have an event that while this war is going on is not specifically about the war? Because and, 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 and your point is not lost. Get uh, tr- Truly, it, you know, it's like. Or are we Nero and we fiddling while Rome is burning? I got you. But the thing is, is that uh, there has to be a point at which you you have to divide your attention and learn new ways of putting out fires while the fire is burning. And we were learning new ways of putting out fires. Sure. Does that and make sense? It, it is. And uh-huh. I, I won't hammer on this point so much. But with the issue in terms of, of refugees mm-hmm. and immigrants mm-hmm. and war and 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 orphan children and where they're going to go and, and the uh, money that governments, the NATO governments are using for, for weapons and and. Yeah, it yeah, it's sort of like it seems like as you mentioned fiddling while while Rome. Burns. Well, I I'm going to tell you a trick I did learn when I was um co-manager here at the station. Hmm. And um one of our mandates which sounds really tainted now that Trump has been in the office was to, you know, to to wallow into the mess of the situation and and to try to, to to drain some measure of it out and look at what's going on. And and the scenario of of drain the swamp means it's not that you're going in there to try to find the plug so that you can empty the tub is that you got to fight whatever's in there, too. You know, which means you got divided attention and, you know, and so I I saw what we were doing at the conference of learning these tools to address these these barriers and and bridges, you know, um, as trying to not let your attention be distracted and and trying to get to the main mission. That's that's. That's very helpful. Yeah. So because I'm, I'm not, you know, and, and I'm really happy you brought that up because th- that's a question I've had many people ask. It's like, what? Well, there's a war over there. How could you be? It's like there's, you know, we're people. There's war everywhere all the time, you know, and you got to figure out, you know, when I was a nurse, one of the key things you learn is triage. It's like, what is the most important thing? What what does everything else 
rotate on? What is the linchpin for the situation? And you got to think about that and you got to stay focused on that and keep your eye on that ball. And one of the things I want, you know, and and with the challenge of me not having internet, you know, curses internet, <laughs> is that, uh, you know, I'm not able to share some of the stuff that I, I put together, especially for this and sent myself. Um, but I do want people to, you know, take time out to go and visit this website. Um, as I said, uh, you do have to sign up and get an account, but the information is free. And it talks about how everything from our um, our words and deeds of um, coming together or othering each other to the structures we build, uh, whether those structures be utility companies or banks or schools or hospitals or governments, those things are not neutral. Those things do work. They do work in that they are tools. And we have to figure out how each one of us are part of structures that either other or they, um, they, they, um, they cause belonging. They allow belonging. They, they nurture belonging. And, and to look at how those structures that we're a part of, um, um, might be might be retooled so that they can or we build new structures so that we can honor the fact that we have lots of different identities and all of those identities uh, they don't other us really they are kind of like cogs in which we can mesh with each other and belong better you know uh you know, just to pick and, and folks don't write me and say you're being binary. OK, but I'm just using an example. You know, you present as male. I present as female. But that doesn't make us different because the overarching identity is human. You know, I see. I see. Yeah. Very helpful. Very helpful. And it's it's not. It's not abstract. It's very practical. So, yeah. you know, you and I were just talking about, you know, Israel and Palestine and Ukraine and mm -hmm. Russia. But it seems as if the skills that you you gain from that that conference um, are practical that can be used in any situation so that um, whether you're talking about your own community, whether you're talking about conflicts within schools or or local politics, those are all related. Um, we have a few minutes left, and we would like to um, hear from another caller. So let's hear what Ross has to say. Good morning, Ross. Good morning. Well, good morning, Les Cecil. So, so, uh, so much appreciate your 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 your, your program this morning. You're, you're struggling with all these things that all of us need to struggle with. Um, there's something that has uh, has uh, has just troubled me immensely, as an, and it's the example of our time. But um, I'm guessing that most listeners, and perhaps even you, well-informed um, uh, leaders of our community, have not uh, given a whole lot of thought for. A hundred thousand 
Armenians who were displaced from where they lived for for hundreds of years uh, from by Ar- 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 Azerbaijan. Um, and that was, it, it was in the news, maybe one little bit, and that was it, gone. But I think there's something uh, just terrible about the, how that could happen. Uh, and I think one of the ways some of these things are happening is that in some very fundamental way, the United States, where it has influence, is not a force for peace. But if they listen to you, maybe, and listen to other people and follow what you're learning from that conference in Germany, uh, we might have some progress. Do you have any thoughts on this? I'll I'll take my answer off. And and before you go, you're referring to the Armenian genocide of, like, 1915-1916? No. I'm referring to what happened two weeks ago when Azerbaijan invaded this uh, oh oh okay uh, yeah I got you. they, you're yeah. right that and was they, only on the news they, for a blink of an eye and then it was and, gone and they, mm-hmm. yes and, it, and it, it, because they don't have a lot of you know there's not that many Ar- armenians in this country and mm-hmm. they they're they're amazingly nice people mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um okay but, thank you but, for uh, that. but they don't add up right uh, to big numbers and they don't add up to big bank accounts and big big um, uh, lobbyist groups. Right. Uh, well, yes, yes, our, uh, Azerbaijan. Uh, now, I hope I won't um, have my house burned down, but but who who is selling all the arms to Azerbaijan? Well, well Israel is selling arms to Azerbaijan, but let, we could go there later after some research. <laughs> I don't oh. have the... Okay, well, thank you for, for, for broadening our awareness. Okay, okay, bless you. Uh-huh. Bye. Um, you know, there there's a lot more work to be done. I mean, in truth, um, we need, I, I'm still going to be working on unfolding what I've brought back from the uh, conference and trying to get it um, on KBOO. So rest assured, this is not the only time. And we didn't even touch on so much of what were the tools that were presented in the breakout session that I I attended. So there's more. But um, first, thank you all for calling. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Big thanks for everyone who has supported KBOO and continues to support KBOO. We need you. Uh, as you've heard, some people say, you know, news of this didn't get out. Well, cable can't cover everything, but we try. And one of the advantages to us being community based is that people like you get to hear about what's happening to people like you. So and, continue. Yes, Cecil. And maybe next time you can talk, tell us about, you know, not only the conference, but I want to hear about the Northern Lights. <laughs> they were spectacular. Okay. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Stay tuned to the Old Mole Variety Hour. Thanks to our engineer, Ray, and thanks to all of you who continue to support your community connection. KBOO Portland.
Naomi Klein, and you are listening to KBOO Portland 90.7 FM. Hello, my name is Jeff, and I host a show entitled A Matter of Public Records that is broadcast on KBOO the second and fourth Saturdays of every month from 3 to 6 a.m. It is a somewhat eclectic show where the song choices are often instinctual, based on the prior song. Tune in and you might hear some instrumentals, some slightly avant-garde music, punk, post-punk, indie rock, jazz. To my ears, it is a classic late-night radio show. That's A Matter of Public Records, every second and fourth Saturday from 3 to 6 a.m. on KBOO 90.7 FM. Remember the days of wandering the pumpkin patches in search of just the right one to bring home? 